Local Radio for Portsmouth. And here we are then, just after seven o'clock. Welcome to it, as always. This is Express This Week. And there's plenty of action to come between now and nine o'clock tonight. Thanks to the company. This is Chris Pierce here from Studio Two, uh, here in central Portsmouth on the show tonight. Uh, we're talking in about ten minutes or so to Ross McNally. Uh, he's the chief exec and executive officer for the Hampshire Chamber of Commerce. And we'll find out how business is doing uh, since... Uh, I guess the relaxing of laws, the coronavirus laws. So we'll find out how business is doing uh, with Ross. It's uh, just after ten past seven tonight. We'll catch up with him. And later at seven twenty-five, Fairham Councillor Councillor Sue Walker will be with us. Uh, we're talking to Sue about the latest on the revamped Fernham Hall, which is going to be called Fairham Live. And we'll find out how they get on uh, with plans for that. As Sue tells us all about it uh, later, about fifteen or so minutes tonight at seven twenty-five thereafter. Uh, later, 7.45, for catching up with Michelle and Richard. Now, they're from uh, a theatre company called Coney, all part of the Hampshire Cultural Trust. And they're talking about a community project, which is happening uh, actually in Fairham. So we're staying with the Fairham theme tonight. And we'll catch up with Michelle and Richard on behalf of the Hampshire Cultural Trust uh, later at 7.45 tonight. There's lots of squeeze in here, I'm telling you. Lots of screens. It's ten past eight tonight. We're in conversation with Andrew Walker. Andrew is head of research uh, for the LGIU, local government institutes of that sort, and we'll find out how there's a campaign of councils. It's the heart of levelling up. You might have heard about this, of course, from Boris Johnson's uh, speech earlier on in the week. Uh, we'll find out more about that with uh, Andrew later with us at ten past eight to explain all about that. What it means. And how council should become more part of the levelling up scheme, if you like. Or the vision, as it were. And you're here later, ten past eight tonight. And our profile guest at 8.25. He's been on before, but yeah. From Haven't Siddons Advice. He should have radio many years ago, too. I think he's kept quiet about that, but uh, Ken Sim... From the Haven't Siddons of Ice is our profile guest tonight. We'll hear two of his songs. And uh, find out how they can help you too. Uh, because we're thinking, dare I say, Christmas. But before you can blink, it'll be here. And uh, hopefully you can give us some money-saving tips and uh, all sorts of other advice as well. So we'll find out more about that with Ken as our profile guest tonight. And two of his songs, which are crackers as well. Yeah, look forward to that. All on the way here on tonight's show. We'll do that between now and nine o'clock tonight on this week's Express This Week. Welcome to Express This Week, Thursdays and Sunday nights. We'll do this between seven and nine o'clock. Here at 93.7 FM, DAB. And we're online, of course, at expressfm.com. Thanks for tuning in. Local news and views right across Portsmouth and South Sea Township. And we start tonight's show... And we turn our attentions to business. Business at the uh, forefront, uh, really, this week, and certainly has been, I guess, well, over the last 18 months or so, and uh, in particular, of course, as we sort of ease our way out of the uh, coronavirus restrictions. And from Hampshire Chamber of Commerce, uh, Ross McNally uh, joins me on the line now. Ross, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Oh, not so bad. How are you, sir? 
I'm very good, thank good. you. Good, good. Uh, Ross, I mean, I wanted to get you on. Uh, I thought it was a great time to, to talk about business, particularly we've had the Conservative Party conference this week, which is sort of, um, well, I guess in some ways it's sort of produced not very little, has it, in terms of uh, help for businesses in the area? Indeed. I, I think um, there was a lot of uh, talk, I suppose, on a, on a general uh, broad economic perspective, but not specifically on businesses. Maybe we're waiting for the budget for that. But yeah. uh, there was a lot of talk around the, the, the new model of high wages, high skills and high productivity. So you're pretty hopeful, are you? Do you think? Well, I think businesses have been doing that anyway. Yeah. And that's that's the good thing about, you know, enterprising businesses. They, yeah. They're always looking for ways through difficult periods. And we've had a very difficult period. So, yes, I think generally from what feedback we're getting is businesses are supporting that uh, as an ethos, as a, as a direction of travel. But they do need help because they're, they're through some difficulties right now. Mm. It's almost as if you've come out of the pandemic crisis or the worst parts of the crisis and uh, everything is coming at you at once. You know, there's very tight margins. Energy prices are going up. Supply chains are being disrupted. Uh, shipping costs are uh, exponentially going up. And there's a skills shortage for all kinds of reasons. Don't need to get into the discussions of why. No. But the fact is that there are. And so they're having to contend with those things. And those are short-term problems for businesses. And the move towards higher wages, higher skills and higher productivity is slightly more medium and longer term. Mm. So they do still need the kind of support the government's been providing uh, to get them through to this next phase. Yeah. Uh, you have to remain positive, don't you, really, I think, in business? Oh, I think so, absolutely. I mean, it's the thing that drives drives the enterprise, is mm. positive thinking. Um, and, of course, most business people get into business because they, they're excited about what they're going to be doing. You know, they they have a joy in, in the work that they're doing, and they don't think of it as work. I mean, if you're... If you're, if you're really achieving something, an objective that you set yourself personally um, as an entrepreneur, then you're doing the thing that you love and the thing you want to do. But there can be these challenging times, yeah. and, uh, and it can test the best of us at times. Yeah. Is it a good time to start a business right now, Ross? Oh, I think so. I mean, there's been a lot of businesses starting up. And, of course, the thing is that it's a, it's a bit of a sort of clear landscape um, because so many businesses have sort of addressed what they've been doing and, and probably pulling out of some key areas and focusing on others. You know, words have been used like pivoting their business. Because businesses have been doing that, it's opened up other opportunities for new businesses. So people that have come out of maybe employment, have a lot of skills themselves, are finding that they can perhaps be in the, in the supply chain to other businesses because those businesses don't want to invest directly in staff doing that. And certainly also a lot of new and innovative ideas are coming through, particularly you're seeing it even in the high street and in experiential type of offers. So I think it's a great time. Mm. And it must, it must be proven by the fact that so many are, are looking to set up right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps to fill, in some cases, fill a void. Well, absolutely. I mean, if... if if businesses are pivoted away from a particular market, then that opens up the opportunity for someone else. And I do think all of us, actually, um, because we're in business and we're consumers as well, and we've all thought about new things, new ways of leading our lives, 
and, and out of that comes new opportunities. I can't say what they are, because they'll be many yeah. and varied, but they respond directly to people making changes in their lives. Mm. For instance, people working from home, uh, businesses uh, moving out of major centres and, and uh, locating themselves in other areas. All of this creates an opportunity for people with the, with the eye and with the idea. And do you think the days of the office are numbered? Well, um, certainly I think there's going to be a change. A lot of uh, office buildings which were looking for single tenancy are now looking for multiple occupation and sort of hot desking arrangements, and they're doing very well. Um, and a lot of those would then attract business startups because that's the kind of accommodation that they're looking for because so, there's greater flexibility. But I do think people do like sort of water cooler moments with each other. Yes. Uh, in, in a way, the, the, the government is right that you do lose some degree of uh, enterprise and some degree of motivation if you're not mixing reasonably regularly in, in an environment. But what people are choosing to do now is, yes, they're working from home, but then they're also going into these sort of environments and having meetings or just, you know, doing a day's work whilst they're going and seeing clients. So they're, so they're creating these water cooler moments for themselves. And it's that sort of blended approach that I think is really positive. Yeah, yeah. So it's more cases like one in one hour, isn't it, really? Well, <laughs> Some of these office buildings, it seems to me. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that um, we're going to see a change to the, to the nature of our city centres. Yes. And so that's really... Uh, a positive as well, subject to planning permissions being given and, 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 and these things moving along swiftly um, because retail units have closed and people are looking for different ways of utilising those. Uh, what was offices that was going to be turned into accommodation, uh, housing, uh, now are looking also at multiple occupation. So mm. there is, it's, it's quite an exciting time if you want to do something. And, and there's a lot of businesses actually with quite a bit of money out there surprisingly perhaps but they they do have uh, an amount of money and they are looking to do something different and and take some risks here and there yeah where do you come into it as a, as a chamber of commerce uh, in all this ross well certainly we we look to support um there's probably two or three areas the first one is that we are the voice of business so you see things that government are doing I suppose we could take the blame sometimes, but the things that government are doing are because of conversations that we've been having with them on behalf of businesses. But we don't always get the change that we want. But sometimes we do. Things like the furlough scheme, which has come to an end now but was highly successful, uh, was as a direct result of our lobbying and, and our voice. But it's not us. It's what we're, we're hearing from mm -hmm. businesses. So that's the first thing. The second one is that we put businesses together, we create a sort of community of practice for businesses so that they share. We, we create that environment and they, the best way to learn about business is to listen to other businesses that have been around the track. And so we're putting them in an environment where those, that sharing can take place. And, uh, and the final one is, yes, we give one-to-one -one business advice and, and, and training and uh, provide skills support and that sort of thing. But those three areas, as a Chamber of Commerce, I think are really essential to a, a help a business to grow. And uh, the last 18 months have been, although it's extremely challenging and very, you know, 
upsetting in so many ways. It's also been quite an exciting time for for addressing change and really taking a, a good, fresh look at your business. Yeah, and it's certainly accelerated things, hasn't it? It has. Talking about accelerating, I do think that there's something that still needs to be accelerated, and that's probably skills investment. I mean, mm. if you look at what has been said over the past couple of weeks by both political leading political parties, is that you know skills investment is absolutely paramount. I mean, they're starting saying skills, skills, skills. That's almost a throwback, and we we do agree. But you know, these things can't happen overnight. So somehow they've got to accelerate that and really get uh, all the training companies and the colleges and others behind accelerating skills development and uh, because that's what businesses need right now they're looking to recruit staff but those staff don't always have the skills they need Mm. and they want to put them on courses and put them in environments where they can develop as quickly as possible yeah Uh, are we quite lucky down here in in this particular part of the world perhaps in comparison to to some other boroughs and, and some other towns we certainly are. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that um, Portsmouth in particular has, has a, a really st- strong track record of, uh, of business startups. It's got superb skills development, and really it must be said that uh, the working together of the, you know, the stakeholders, all the different moving parts of the business support uh, sort of ecosystem, really do work together very well. And so... From our point of view, it's 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 a bit of a joy to be able to work in in that arena because you know we can we can only usually one degree of separation from finding a solution for a business. Mm. So it sounds pretty positive, doesn't it, out there? Uh, which is good. Which is quite surprising, really, to think that the last eighteen months, <laughs> as you say, we've been through quite a lot of change, uh, and I suspect there's uh, plenty more on the way. Well, absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing is that we we were concerned about what the end of the furlough would look like but it doesn't look like a crisis now there might be a logical reason for that that people kept on furlough the staff that they wanted that would be that would be the logic and so the minute the furlough ended they are investing in keeping those staff so that's that's a really good thing but yes there will be some changes along the way you know if we are moving towards this high wage high skills high productivity economy Nobody could argue with that as, as a goal, but there's going, to, there's going to be some bumps in the road along the way. And really, we do need intervention from government. If, if government wants this change to the economy, and they've got to support individual businesses to be part of that change. Well, fingers crossed that they walk up with the goods and uh, put the money where their mouth is, so to speak, because uh, obviously this uh, this change needs to be uh, come from very early on, doesn't it? As you said a little bit earlier, from the colleges and from the schools and uh, and that, that kind of thing to get things moving. I think that's absolutely right. I think the next generation is going to be part of that solution, and so yeah. really we should be we should ba- be backing them now. Yeah. Which of course we are, but uh, it's got to be that. Uh, engagement with the businesses and with the funding to make it really work absolutely you you can only do so much yes i think that's right i think we create an environment uh, which hopefully motivates and hopefully uh, encourages investment but but ultimately every day you know business owners and managers go in and they have to find the solutions to those individual um, challenges and so yes that support needs to be on hand 
Ross, it's a pleasure talking to you tonight. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and uh, a bit of positivity, because I think we needed that, uh, certainly for the last sort of few months or so. And uh, nice to chat with you. Hopefully we can come back to you before the end of the year and just sort of look back on that, how things have been going and as we look towards Christmas, I suppose. <laughs> Delighted to do that. Bless you, Thanks Ross. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's always take a pleasure. Care. You take care of yourself. Love to all Thank there. You. Cheers, bye Ross. Bye bye. Ross McNally there, and from the Hampshire Chamber of Commerce, which a uh, bit of positivity, which is great stuff actually. Uh, study for business if you're thinking about starting a business, uh, certainly in this part of the world. If you want to find out more about uh, Hampshire Chamber of Commerce, you can go to their website, hampshirechamber.co.uk, has all the information you need to know. Where's the time gone tonight? Not the foggiest. Thanks for tuning in to Express this week. Canoes and views from all across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Yes, we include Fairman and Gospel. We include the whole of the city itself. And Hammonds, Waterlooville, and Hayley Nines, and Hemsworth, and all the other bits and pieces, all the nooks and crannies across the area. Thanks for being there with us. And we turned up to our attentions to things um, theatrical uh, for the next couple of interviews, natural fact. But first, those, uh, we're talking about the uh, revamped Furnham Hall. Who remembers that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from Fairmore Council, tell us about their revamped Burnham Hall. Uh, Councillor Sue Walker is on the line with us now. Sue, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank Good. you very much for inviting me this evening. It's a pleasure. Yeah, lovely to get you on. Uh, we talked about this last year, I think, didn't we, Sue, to begin with? It might have been the year before, because the really? pandemic obviously has uh, put an awful lot of things on hold. Time goes so quick. I know, it, it seems like the last 18 months have been, uh, been a complete void somewhere. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Oh, dear. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed there, this, this is it. This is, this is something that's going to happen now. A revamped Furnham Hall. Uh, tell us where we are so far with it, Sue. So we obviously paused it just at the right yeah. time. We were just about to go out to tender, having had planning permission and all the design works done. Then, obviously, we paused it because of the pandemic and our operator which absolutely rightly was concerned about the future. We, are now, we have now agreed a new allocated cost for the building of £13.35 so we will now go back to the going out to tender part of the project. Wow, so it's a long time coming. This is going to be worth it, I think, in the end, isn't it? Yes, I think, you know, anybody who comes to Fairham will see how it's changed over the many, many years from yeah. a market town to a shopping venue, and Fairborough Council has very ambitious plans for the redevelopment of the Civic Quarter and the regeneration of the town centre, and Fairham Live is part of that regeneration. So it's an important element in a much bigger project. Yes, because I guess since this sort of was first talked about, things have, have evolved almost already, haven't they? Yes, I think the pandemic has made people yeah. think about their shopping practices very differently. And I think it's made people aware of what we would like to do in our spare time more. And I think shopping venues will need to change. So this venue, which is not just a theatre, is going to include many other aspects, will be a focal point for people to go to, for the theatre to meet, for, you know, studio space. Um, it'll have catering facilities. It'll be a little, fo a big focal point for people to 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 attend. Yeah, it's going to be very different to the previous at Fernham Hall, then. Yes, it will. Yes. Yeah, and yes. much more, I guess, on the sort of the community elements, almost. Yes. Many years ago, now the community centre in Fernham was demolished, and we've always promised to build a new one. So there will be space within this building for community use, for activities, 
for people to book, for businesses to book for functions. Not only will it have the 800 seats auditorium, but it will have other spaces within it, a dance studio. It'll obviously have far improved um, catering facilities. It will have um, changing, will have a changing places toilet in there, which is very important. So it will be a, a, a real hub within the, the town centre. Uh, it's something for everyone, really, across Fairham to get involved yes. with uh, and yes. the surrounding areas. Yes, and Fairham is going to grow. We all know that housing is going yeah. to come. We have Wellborn now got its planning permission. So Fairham is going to get bigger. So we need to make sure that we plan ahead for the amount of people that we have, the amount of residents that we have within Fairham. And this will be something that will attract many people across Fairham. Yeah, exciting it, uh, sort of looking forward to, to the future. Once you get the tender out, that comes back. How long is it going to be before it's reopened again? So let's make sure we get the tender within budget. So yes. that's the first hurdle we have to get over. Good luck with that. But with a fair wind, <laughs> yes. we're hoping that construction works will start in the spring of summer of 2022 yeah. with an anticipated launch or a participating opening of about 2023. OK. It's not that far off, really, so is it? No. I mean, Tom's no. going so quick, isn't it? And so it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that uh, you know, too long a wait um, no. for this uh, great uh, revamp. I mean, is it going to be I mean, your home to attract big names this once it is open, like we've had in the past? Much bigger names. And BH Live, you probably know, run a number of venues yes. along the south coast. So there will be a different offering for people. Still attracting our local musical societies, which we think is very important. But obviously, we need to improve the income and the revenue from the building. So there will be a different attraction, which BH Live will be able to bring in, um, which will pull bigger audiences in, which is why we've gone for the 800-seat auditorium. So it does sound very exciting. And this is something which is desperately needed, I think, in the area, uh, because I think all the different theatres sort of complement each other, don't they? Yes. I mean, you've obviously got Southampton and Portsmouth. We do have Titchfield Festival Theatre within Fairham, but it will be a different offering that we will have in the town centre. And that will bring welcome trade into the actual town centre itself, I'd imagine, as well. Yes, it will, and obviously there are other plans within the town centre, some of it will be housing, but there will be another um, project coming forward for more works within the town centre, and that will be a different paper. This is just the start. Yeah. Uh, and how long is this process going to be then for the, for the whole town centre? Obviously, are we talking four or five years? Oh, we're talking a, a longer term yeah. than that, obviously, when okay. you're talking about housing and other things. Yeah. But we've got to start. We have to to move forward. We have to bring Fairham back up into the 21st century. It's gone from a market town to a shopping venue, and now we're moving on to the next stage. Wow. Okay. Another chapter, as it were, in its its history. Another chapter in its life, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, lovely talking to you. Thanks for coming on and uh, telling us about that, uh, which is excellent news. We're going to talk, actually, uh, to a theatre just around the corner from the Fernham Hall. We'll talk to the uh, Ashcroft Arts Centre in a minute. So. uh, Yep. Yeah, we'll just be around the corner, around the bend yeah, on the Absolutely. road. Absolutely. <laughs> so, thanks for coming on tonight. Lovely to talk to you. You take care and we'll, we'll talk pleasure. soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, lovely. Bye bye. Councillor Sue Walker there from Fernborough Council and some exciting news uh, for the former Fernham Hall in Fairham, and, uh, which is going to be called Fairham Live, no less, in the town. Breathing new life into that particular part of the area. <laughs> 
we're here to nine o'clock tonight with the week's news and views. Thanks for tuning in. And we stay with the theatre theme and, uh, because we talked to Councillor Sue Walker from Fairborough Council about the uh, the all-new Fairborough Live just around the corner from the Ashcroft Arts Centre, which is uh, links very nicely, seamlessly, into our next item. Uh, we're talking about the uh, uh, local projects and from a group called Coney... Richard and Michelle join me from the organisation on behalf of Hampshire Cultural Trusts. Good evening to you both. How are you? Hi, Chris. Very well, thanks. How are you? Not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking about this particular project. Now, this is all in partnership with Hampshire Cultural Trust. Tell us about the project. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, we're from a this company called Coney, uh, um, which is an MPO, and it's a collection, basically, of makers who create theatre but it's very interactive theatre it can happen uh not necessarily in a theatre but in universities community centres art centres uh, and on the streets of towns and cities throughout um the country so we have come to fairham as part of our uh, project called we the people and we're um working with um the ashcroft so as you said chris the ashcroft is um yeah, is is part of Hampshire Trust, and they're an amazing art venue in the centre of Fareham. An incredible um, program of theatre, contemporary music, comedy, lots of classes, and a real home for artists. And it's yeah, we're here in Fareham working with them and the people of Fareham to, um, yeah, to bring the community closer together to have the kinds of conversations that you might not ordinarily get to have with the people in your town. So I guess the easiest way to describe what's happening first on our agenda for this project is a pub quiz. Yep. So uh, tomorrow night, in fact, so Friday the 8th, it's going to be, we are doing a pub quiz at Ashcroft Arts Centre in Fareham. Um, and we have created this quiz as part of the, uh, of the project We The People with the people of Fareham. So Michelle and I have been having really interesting conversations with a lot of people in the town, people who run businesses, people who work in the council, people who volunteer, all sorts of different people. And they have created this quiz, um, which we're going to test their fellow <laughs> Fairhamites on to see how much they know. So if there's anyone out there who fancies coming down to a really lovely pub quiz, quiz with a difference tomorrow night they are most welcome and um, you can email us at knock at coney so that's knock as in knocky on the door at c-o-n-e-y h-q dot o-r-g and um, you can also check out the ashcroft website and um, so that's ashcroft dot org dot uk and tickets are free but yeah. i do i do believe you do have to um let let us know that you're coming just so we, that we can manage numbers and things like that and um, but yeah we'd love to love to see as many people there as fancy coming down and having some interesting conversations winning some prizes and meeting people that they might not otherwise meet yeah uh, and what particular firm did you ch- decide to do this um, well, we've done it uh, in a few places across the UK. So uh, we've done it in Margate, we've done it in London venues, we've done it in the Northwest and Liverpool and places. And I mean, essentially, we partnered with the Ashcroft. That's why it came 
that's why these things happen. We partner with a local venue, local art centre, to meet their local artists, to share the way that we practice stuff at Coney. Um, and obviously with this project, we don't just meet artists and makers, we meet the public as well, and we meet people from all walks of life. So that's the beauty about this project. It kind of started maybe as a, an arts-based kind of relationship, but it spans into all, all of the spectrum of, of the different places that we visit. And it's probably worth saying as well that um, the Arts Council have kindly supported the work that we're doing with the Ashcroft Arts Centre, mm -hmm. so they've made this possible. And it's their first co-creation project with the people of Fairham. So, yeah, they're really excited to, to be doing this work. And it'd be quite interesting too, because I imagine that uh, as you want to talk to local people about Fairham itself as the town, uh, and which again has, has history like many of the, the the towns and cities around this particular part of the world, um, that, that, that they can share local stories and local history and things like that. I imagine. I mean, they really have. We have. and more, Chris, and more, <laughs> and more. <laughs> and more. Yeah. I mean, it, can you repeat like, them? <laughs> more to the yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we don't want to give it all away because yeah. no. some, some of it is part of the quiz. But yeah, I mean, we're meeting people like from all walks of life, really, and yeah. the conversations that you have really do span across the history of the town to their experiences to where they might. Um, you know, have different sort of uh, pieces of their own personal history, local landmarks, all sorts of stuff. And it, it's really fascinating to meet such a wide range of people. Yeah, yeah, we're really grateful to how generous and and how open and, yeah, how entertaining and how honest yeah. and <laughs> everything that, that people have been with us. We're, yeah, we feel incredibly lucky to be part of the creativity that goes into something like this but mm. it is very much a unique story as with every town and every every person that has their own personal connection to it there is no story that you can replicate like that yeah and tell us a little bit about coney itself um so yeah as as richard said it's a coney is a an a, a collection of artists so um very often theatre makers that make theatre games um, and adventures where the audience or those that are taking part have um, are central to what happens. So um, they, yeah, they have a really meaningful place. They're central to it. Um, they very often shape what it looks like, where it goes um, and how it feels and where it ends up. And as an organisation, I suppose the mission is to spark change through play. So playfulness is a huge part of what um, of what Coney's work looks like and feels like. It feels exciting and playful and it feels meaningful and it generally has an adventure at the heart of it. So this quiz tomorrow night is the first um, the first um, port of call on, on this particular project and after that we have we have a playable adventure um, that people will be able to access towards the end of the month on their own devices. And, yeah, we hope that those who can't join us tomorrow might be able to um, access and play that as well. So, yeah. OK. And people can find it more on the, I think you said, Richard, didn't you, on the Ashcroft website as well? Yes. If you go to the Ashcroft website, you can still uh, see the page up for the pub quiz, which is obviously tomorrow. It's called We The People of Fairham pub quiz starts at 7.30 tomorrow night. Uh, if you go onto uh, the Ashcroft website, you can see the link there. You can book. It's free. 
we'd love to have you there. We've got uh, a crowd that are coming already, some people who we haven't met, some people who we have, so some people might know a question, uh, an answer or two. Um, but as I say, we've made these questions with the people of Fairham, um, and it's not just factual stuff. It's very much based on their experiences as well. So hopefully there's something for everyone and, and it can be a really enjoyable evening. Yeah, and it's something which uh, I think we, we probably need after lockdown, don't we? Oh, Chris, we're, yeah. we're so happy to be yeah, yeah making with people. Yeah, definitely. It gives you a real radar for what matters in in these experiences so yeah and how's you uh, as an organization cope with all this it's been tough for you guys too hasn't it i suppose the advantage of some of the work that coney make is that they meet people where where those people are so a lot of work um has well moved online so was adapted for di- for the context that we all find ourselves in so we were lucky to be able to continue to meet audiences through Zoom or through other platforms yeah. and make work in that way. Um, yeah, which, you know, is, is a really fortunate thing to be able to do. And a lot of theatre companies have adapted to be able to do that. And there are loads of really exciting things that come with that, like meeting audiences in different countries and bringing communities yes. of people together. But you also can't beat the live yeah, experience. The live yeah, nothing like it, is it? Live and... No. Warts and all, in the flesh, so to speak. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, good luck. Good luck tomorrow night. And good luck for the uh, the rest of the runners where the Ashcroft Arts Centre, and again, people can go to the ashcroft.org.uk. Uh, all the information should be on there as well. Yeah. Great. Lovely. Thanks for Bless you, Michelle, as well. Richard and Michelle, thanks for coming on and chatting to us about it. Good luck with the rest of it. Take care. Talk cool. soon. Thank Cheers you. now. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, brilliant stuff. Yeah, you want to find out more about that. The uh, local, if you're in particular in the firm, uh, you can go along to that at the Ashcroft Arts Centre tomorrow night. And if you go to ashcroft.org.uk, you can find out more about the uh, festivities uh, for firm and uh, find out more about your local town as well, I think. So many buttons to play with here, I think. That's, that's my trouble. <laughs> Which one am I going to next? Oh, yeah, that'd be that one. And good evening to you. Thanks for tuning in to Express This Week. Here from now on to 9 o'clock tonight with the week's news and views. Plenty more still to come uh, in this hour of the show. And we turn our attention uh, to... Uh, well, we talked about business, didn't we, a little bit earlier on, of course. But we're talking about uh, local government. And in particular, Levelling Up, which has been uh, part of the, uh, the Conservative Party conference this week. Um, to, to talk about Levelling Up and the white paper on it, and putting the councils right at the forefront of all this, uh, is Andrew Walker from the LG. Are Andrew, good evening to you. Good evening. How are you, right? Very good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Good stuff. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Thanks for uh, coming okay. on tonight, Andrew, uh, and tell thanks us about it. You're quite keen on um, um, th- on this white paper to, to get the councils really at the heart of this of, of the uh, initiative of the government's levelling up, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. So we, we at the LGIU, the Local Government Information Unit, we really think that local government has to be at the heart of any plans for levelling up, um, else, you know, it's just going to be very hard to, to achieve those aims. So we're still waiting for this levelling up white paper. We don't know what's going to be in it yet. Um, we got a bit of an indication over the Conservative Party conference around some of the issues. You know, we know that Boris Johnson is very keen on um, on sort of getting more equal opportunities across the regions, reducing inequalities between the regions, boosting things like skills and infrastructure. But actually, we didn't get that much real clarity and direction
direction. We've got a lot of a lot of slogans um, and a lot of kind of warm words, I suppose. But what we really, really need is clarity about you know what it means, what is it that we're trying to achieve, and and how are we going to achieve it? And and at LGIU, and we speak to our members who are councils um, up and down the country. You know, we hear all the time that in order to achieve lots of these various goals, we really need to listen to local government, empower local government, um, and ensure that local government has the funding and resources to achieve those goals. Yeah, because they are really at the forefront of all this, aren't they, really? Making, you know, uh, policy decisions in some cases. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, councils are the ones that are there, yeah. um, you know, connected to local communities, delivering services, um, providing leadership. They are the democratic representatives of, of local communities. You know, it's things from uh, planning and, and housing right through to, you know, um, uh, social care for the elderly, looking after vulnerable children, all that sort of stuff. So it's a huge amount of stuff. Um, and, you know, they, they really, they really um, are in the, the right place to, to lead this stuff. The trouble is, um, at the moment, as the sort of national conversation is, is sort of um, oriented around levelling up, and particularly as, the, as government in, in Westminster, central government, talks about it, they often leave councils out of the discussion. They talk about lots of their, lots of their aims. Um, and they talk about working with various groups, either in the community or, or people in the private sector. And actually, it's councils that are sort of left out of that discussion a little bit. So at LGIU, we are constantly calling for getting the local government to be right back in the heart of that conversation because we, we think that that's the key to actually pulling all this stuff together around local places and local communities. Yeah, and it's quite uh, important, particularly when we sort of talk about care issues as well and transport and infrastructure. I think you've you've touched on that. Uh, they're quite important issues, uh, certainly around here in Portsmouth. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in places like like Portsmouth and and um, you know elsewhere in the country, you know, there are lots of issues yeah. around uh, transport, infrastructure, people getting to work. Uh, you know, decent access to, to various services, um, various kinds of, of, uh, of welfare support and so on. Um, but it's also other, other issues which are not necessarily sort of specific services as such. It's things like, you know, do we have the rights of the skills base? so that young people growing up now are going to be able to, to make the most of, of job opportunities in the future? Are they, you know, are they going to be able to sort of fit into um, the economy of, of a place like Portsmouth in five years' time, ten years' time, um, and, and further into the future? Um, you know, what, what sort of place is it that we want Portsmouth to be in the future for, for the next generation? Um, and how do we sort of tie all these threads together uh, to, to make that happen. There's a lot going on, I think, around a mm. phrase like levelling up. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's much more than just physical infrastructure. It's much more than just kind of building a new road here, a new bridge there. Um, it requires quite a lot of, of coordination, quite a lot of, we think, at LGIU, uh, you know, local leadership to, to bring together all sorts of partners, you know, yeah. people from the private sector, people from the public sector, the NHS, schools, you know, you name it. Um, you, you, know, you, need, you need to bring those partners together around specific goals. But also, crucially, you've got to fund it. Yeah. Because if you don't have the funding there, then, you know, you're, you, you can't do this sort of stuff on a shoestring. And we know that councils over the past 10 years have, have seen their resources cut by, you know, up to yes. 40% in, in some places. So, so it's a real challenge. Yeah, this is huge, isn't it? It's, it's huge, yeah. It's huge. I mean, and if, and if you, um, you know, if we do find the 
the right level of funding, if we do put power in the hands of, of local communities and local councils, you know, it could it could be really game changing. You know, there's there's all sorts of opportunities there um, with something like levelling up if we really mean it. And we really want to reduce lots of those inequalities, which are, you know, are enormous. And then we at LGIU have been, um, uh, you know, amongst others, have been pointing this out for a really long time. You know, the, the sort of the disparities in, you know, education attainment, uh, health, uh, life expectancy, yeah. um, the cost of transport, you know, all, all these sorts of things are, are just so unevenly distributed across the country. Um, and so it's a really laudable aim. We just think that you know, if you're going to do it, you have to have a real plan to do it. You have to provide the leadership and you have to put local areas at the heart of it. Yeah. So we don't want words. We want substance now, don't we, I think? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we published a paper last week um, where we set out some, some important principles that we think need to be contained in that uh, levelling up white paper whenever it comes. We're not entirely sure when it's going to come, but we think it's, it's going to be fairly soon. It's for, sort of following on some other white papers that have been delayed and cancelled. So, you know, we're crossing our fingers. But we think it really has to, um, as, as some key principles, it really has to have clarity of purpose. You know, we have to understand what it's trying to do. Um, it has to have the right kind of scope, and that's what I was talking about earlier, sort of going beyond just, you know, roads and bridges and stuff. It needs to, it needs to uh, tell us about partnerships. It needs to be um, transparent. It needs to have flexibility so that we can really make sure it works for each area. It can't be a one-size-fits-all package. This is about local places which have distinct needs, um, distinct resources, distinct strengths, and you've really got to tailor it to, to that local area. Um, and then crucially, it needs to have accountability at the heart of it. You know, how do we know that this is working? And if it's not working, well, who do we, who do we hold to account for it? Um, who, who do we, who, you know, who's responsible for spending the money in the right places? Who's responsible for bringing together those partnerships and providing the leadership? Mm. So there's, there's a set there of really important principles which we think can really help to strengthen uh, the levelling up white paper and, and really make that a conversation that has some kind of uh, real push behind it. And is Michael Gove the guy to do this, do you think, to, to spearhead this? Well, it's a, it's a really interesting move, I think, Michael Gove. I think it's, you know, uh, he, he he's famous for, um, you know, getting things done. He's certainly sort of shaken up the conversation. Um, but in his, you know, we were sort of hoping in his speech to, to the Conservative Party conference um, earlier this week that he, you know, we'd get a real indication of what he's going to try and achieve um, through through levelling up. And it's also, of course, about house building, which we know they're really keen on. So the, the department is now called the Levelling Up and, and Housing um, Department. Um, but actually, in terms of levelling up, we didn't really get that much that was concrete, I think, from Michael Gove. And, and we're really sort of waiting to see um, where he's going to take it. You know, there's, there's a lot of sort of um, uh, anticipation, I suppose, that he might bring some energy to the to the debate. What's also interesting is the team that have been appointed around him, uh, um, Andy Howdine and, and, and Neil O'Brien, who, who you know bring a lot of expertise and, and a lot of um, uh, you know um, a, a certain sort of um, sense of purpose. You would hope uh, to to levelling up. We're yet to see it, I think. But of course, it's early days. He's only been um, in that position for you know a couple of weeks. So we'll we'll wait and see, and we'll really hope that. Firstly, the levelling up white paper is on its way fairly swiftly, but we'll also hope that, you know, it contains a really strong role for local government, really strong role for local communities, and a real, you know, real sense of, of you know, clarity of purpose and the sort of mechanics of how it is that governments 
at the local level and the national level is going to try and achieve those goals. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. Well, look, we look forward to this whenever it happens. <laughs> so hopefully yeah, this is well, going to happen absolutely. pretty soon, isn't it? And uh, we'd, hope, we'd hope so, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's probably long overdue, but uh, we look forward to it with anticipation, I'm sure. And um, hopefully, yeah. you know, uh, local councils, something in this area, can play their part and uh, of this sort of levelling up scheme uh, as confirmed by the government. Uh, uh, Andrew, thanks for coming on and talking to us tonight about it. Many thanks for that. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, thanks, Andrew. And Andrew Walker, uh, no, we got, uh, yeah, Andrew Walker. Sorry, yeah, head of research. <laughs> I've got so many bits of papers, I'm true. Uh, from the LGIU, that's the Local Government Information Unit. And uh, they're having a chapter here on Express this week. Uh, 8.22, we're moments away from tonight's profile guest, uh, Ken Sim from Haven't Citizens Advice. Uh, we'll chat to him and hear two of his songs on the way very soon tonight. Ah, what's tonight gone? Not a fuggish idea. 8.28 here. Thanks to company. We do this on a Thursday and Sunday night between 7 and 9 o'clock. The week's news and news. Right across ports was at South East Hampshire. See, people seem to think I've got a team of people here. No, it's not. It's me. What man in this dog? Not even got a dog here. <laughs> oh, dear. You have to run downstairs, make your own tea. Oh, sad time, sad time. Uh, let's welcome our profile guest tonight. Here, two of his songs as well. Great to get him back with us uh, from the Haven't Sidden to Voice. Uh, Ken Sim joins me on the line now. Ken, how are you? Chris, I'm well. And good. It's good to speak to you. Um, it's, uh, it's been a busy time since we last met in January 2020. Was who, it? Uh, who, could have pre- who could have predicted what was about no, to happen? I know. Was it that really that long ago? It was. Yeah, it was that last. Ken. That was the last time I was in the studio with you. Yeah, January 2020, wow. and we were in the middle of a recruitment campaign, which was all going really well. Um, and then, of course, not yeah. long after that, things uh, started to happen. But uh, yeah, so but it's good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, and you, sir, and you, and you, just, you were telling me off air actually that uh, it's busy times ahead at the moment. Things are changing all the time, aren't they? It, I guess yeah, okay, yeah. in your line of work, it's hard to keep up with all this. It is, yeah. And I mean, you know, when last year, when of course when coronavirus hit, um, you know, we like many organisations um, who, you know, many were not prepared for the lockdown no. that was going to happen in, in March. Um, but, 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 you know, we actually stepped up our telephone advice service with actually most of our volunteers working from home um, and we hit the ground running. So, you know, we had to close our doors, but we didn't close the door to advice for local residents. No. Um, it, we, we continue to offer advice by telephone, online, various digital methods. Um, we've, it's, been a, it's been a quick learning curve, actually. Chris, yeah. it, it certainly has. Yeah. But, I mean, you know... Um, we all had to get used to a new situation with words like lockdown and furlough and citizens' advice has had, had to keep up to speed on the ever-changing landscape. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, and, of course, the pandemic has shown the importance of locally-based organisations like us and, of course, community radio like Express FM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it difficult to sort of adapt to, in your line um, of work? No, no, not really, no. because, you know, uh, immediately people started just, you know, they, we gave them a laptop sure. and, and we all just got on with it from home. Um, and, um, and quite, you know, quite a lot of our people are still doing stuff from home. And, um, but, it, but it's worked well. It was unfortunate that we had to close the doors for, for, for quite a while. 
But actually, when we did close the doors, we um, we took the opportunity to uh, to move offices. So uh, we were always based in um, uh, the community centre in, in Lee Park, and that served us well for many years. But we've we're now just moving into bright new modern premises in the Meridian Centre, and haven't. Oh, very which, nice indeed. Yeah. So we're just opening our doors to the public really next Tuesday in Havant, although we've continued to have our community outreach services at Waterlooville Library and Hailing Island Community Centre. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a, it was a good opportunity to get to, to, get to make that change and, to, and, and be ready for a busy time ahead, I think. So it's a bit of a reset button for you then, isn't it, really? As an organisation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had to continue advising, but at the same time, while everyone was working from home, it, it was a good opportunity to, to get the new place set up and ready. Uh, I was in there today, and, it, and it's fabulous. Great, great place to uh, to come. And, of course, it's right in the centre of Havant. It's a perfect location for people to come in. Yeah, and looking forward to the big opening on Tuesday. Yeah, so, I mean, you really, it's, a, it's what we call a soft opening. We're opening the doors, yeah. uh, people can, can drop in, but we're not, it's not, you know, we're not going to be offering a full drop-in service. We'll see people, we'll do a sort of triage, see what their issue is, and maybe we need to make an appointment for them to come back, or, or we might be able to just you know, give them a call and help them through whatever the issue is that they've got. So um, it's, it's, yeah, and, 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 you know, Christmas is coming. Isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, no, rattling to waters, what's happening? there but uh, i know it doesn't seem that far away no. but but you know there are many pressures on people's minds before christmas yeah um and and the effects of covid continue to yes. affect all our communities um now restrictions are being lifted so uh, you know so too is the support that that, that that that's there it's important that it's there and um and you know Chris, we'll all be aware that there's been a lot in the media about the removal of the 20 pound universal credit well, i was going to come on to that yes yeah, I mean, it's um, a big thing, isn't it, for, for particularly low-paid families? Yeah, and it's going to be, you know, the universal credit uplift, and, of course, then there's also this massive rise in energy prices, and, and of course, many of our listeners will, will have been affected by the collapse of their energy supplier. About one and a half million households have been affected by energy firms going bust in the past six weeks. So it's, you know, there's, there's certainly, you know, even with Christmas coming up, there's a lot of other things on people's minds. But I just mentioned that, that you know, these energy supplies going bust, Chris, and, and people who have heard of, of this in the, in the news, the crucial thing is not to panic. The energy will not be cut off just because your energy supply goes bust. Um, Ofgem, the, the regulator, makes arrangements for another supplier to take over. So there's no need to be concerned um, about any credit balance you have with them that's protected. And if your energy supplier goes to bust, don't be tempted to try and find another one. Ofgem will find you one, then you can think about whether there's any uh, other deals out there. Although we're told there's not really many deals out there at the moment. It's, uh, I know, it's, that's uh, never a change of situation, isn't it, with uh, firms we're hearing, you know, uh, tonight even, some of the, these yeah, firms going yeah. bust. Yeah. But, but there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, we wouldn't even have talked about when we spoke, uh, you know, in January 2020, no. like furlough. Who'd heard of the no. word furlough? Um, now the, but, but now the furlough scheme has ended uh, and we've yet to see the impact on jobs from this change. Um, so there's been some concern that we might be in a bit of a perfect storm with the impact of the drop in universal credit and the huge increase in the cost of fuel. Um, so we're preparing for a surge in clients seeking advice. Um, but it's not just benefits that people contact us about. There's all sorts of different issues well, there that isn't people that, come to us. Because that leads sort of then into debt uh, and money, uh, which you can quite understand that all the things really go hand in hand, don't they? 
Well, that's right. And I mean, you know, debt is an interesting one because, you know, um, options for debt after the pandemic, because in some respects, many clients with debts have been protected from the restrictions put on lenders and debt collectors and, and their ability to enforce the debts that were there. Those restrictions are now lifted and clients will find enforcement action will restart and that will put extra pressure on households. And then there's a worry about housing because, of course, the pandemic prevented landlords from um, taking action against tenants that, that may have fallen into arrears. Um, and, you know, now that's been lifted, um, you know, there is going to be some concern that um, more clients potentially could be facing homelessness. So it's, it's, it all sounds a bit gloomy, I know. Oh, and just one other, council tax, of course. Many who'd struggled to pay their council yeah. tax during the pandemic will now start getting enforcement notices, and we're already seeing those people coming in to see us. So there's, there's a lot of that. Um, and, and, you know, one other thing, another issue that the pandemic has highlighted is digital exclusion. You know, many local and national government services have been moved online, mm -hmm. but those with no digital skills, we've seen a surge in people coming forward needing help because, you know, if they don't have um, a smartphone or have or the ability to use a smartphone or a computer and the service they need is through online, then they have to turn to people like us um, to help them through that. Mm. So, but, but of course, other charities, food banks, churches, community organisations have all been amazing during this uh, pandemic. Yeah, you've um, all come together, haven't you, really, as one, one organisation almost? Yeah, everybody's, you know, doing their best to help. Yeah. And, and there are so many different agencies out there uh, who are trying to help. And, um, and, and we continue to do so. But it's, it's yeah, it's going to, it's going to get, um, it's going to get a bit, it's going to be a challenge going it forward. Is. I think. Yeah, and yeah. certainly towards yeah. Christmas, because Christmas, obviously, uh, Ken, is going to be the next thing, isn't it? I mean, we sort of hinted there earlier about it, but uh, here before you know it. But, you know, I guess now people are, gonna, are starting to think, we even possibly buy uh, presents and things, gifts you know, for, for yeah, Christmas, yeah. thinking about and, food and things like that. Yeah, and, and especially for those who are affected by the various things that are going on, like the, the universal credit uplift being removed yeah. and the energy costs going up and stuff like that. And there's always so much pressure on people to spend a lot on Christmas. But, you know, the advice may seem obvious. Don't be tempted to overstretch. You know, running up debts to pay for Christmas could lead to a miserable new year. Um, and it's hardest for those with for those with children they'll be tempted to you know try and completely fulfill their children's very long santa list mm. but you know kids often make a very long list but satisfying the request for the gift they most want will probably suffice yes um and then it's buying for other people you know i think you know some of the thoughts are get creative kids will love it making gifts for for family members is fun and grandparents love gifts made by their grandchildren and you can save a lot of money doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the best thing to do then uh, is budget, really, I, I guess. It is, absolutely. And, you know, there are, there's the advice through Citizens Advice, there's a budgeting tool on, on, on our website, which people can do, which people can use. And it's hard to budget, I suppose, for people at the moment, because, you know, now they're going to see that if, if they are affected by that uh, drop uh, in the universal credit uplift and also the energy cost, it's going to be hard to know what their costs and income are going to be going forward, but it's worth looking at our budgeting tool to see um, whether that can help them get a better idea. But Christmas budget tends to go a bit crazy, doesn't it? That's the problem. Mm -hmm. 
so people start and, and of course we're, we're being warned that you know there may be food price increases as well so it all it all sounds a little bit gloomy but um but there's help there and that's what citizens of advice is there for um and um but but actually we need some help as well because you know the last time i spoke to you we were recruiting and we took on some more people but you know we really need to take on some more people because well, uh, we're we're getting even busier you're going to expand we'll come back to that if we may ken because i want to get your first bit of music because i'm conscious the clock's ticking down already yeah yeah <laughs> and i yeah, want to cram yeah. as much as we can in ken you know what it's like in radio uh yeah, yeah. actually on that note tell everyone because years and years and years ago you did radio, didn't you? I, I did. I did hospital radio. I yeah. did a few different hospital radio yeah. services because I'm originally from the northeast, which you probably, which it's people slight, may have spotted from my accent. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but actually, I also did, when moving south, I did hospital radio at Portsmouth at PHB, as they uh, called themselves, Portsmouth Hospital Broadcasting. Yeah. So I did that. Uh, for a while, Sunday night, the Sunday supplement was the uh, show. I, I can. We, do you know what I can recall actually? Because when I I started at, at PHB back in the day, thirty odd years ago, and I remember. Yeah. I'm sure I remember handing over to you, Ken. Yeah, yeah, I think you did actually. Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah. I did on the rec- I did yeah. the request show before you. I think. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we used to. Uh, yeah, we'd come in, and we had a little team though. We had a little posse of us. There was uh, yeah. three or four of us who used to uh, just a light-hearted look at the news of the week and celebrity stuff. There, no, there was no internet. We used to go out and buy a lot of magazines to, to uh, fulfil the, oh. uh, the gossip uh, section of the, of the programme. But Those yeah, were it, was, it was good fun. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the days. Who would have thought before the internet, eh? Who would have thought? But, I know, uh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, let's get song number one on, and uh, what we'll do, we'll have a breather, and uh, then we'll play song number one. You can tell us what you chose it, so stay with us, uh, with us, Ken, there. Ken okay. Simmons, our profile guest on Citizens Advice and Haven't, and more from Ken, and uh, the first of his songs tonight on the show in moments here on Express This Week. I'm about with our profile guest tonight, of course, Ken Sim. Haven't citizens a voice and came on that particular track then? Well, I thought it was appropriate. I thought what, what we're saying to people is that there is help out there. Reach out and we're there for you. We'll be there. So I thought it was an appropriate one uh, to use uh, when when talking about citizen advice and the and the support that we offer. Yeah, so I, thought, I thought it worked. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, but but saying reach out and I'll be there. But actually. Um, we'd like people we're reaching out and saying, you know, a shout out. We'd like some help, extra help as well. And I'm not asking for money. I'm just asking for help um, with with all the extra support needed in the community. We 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 could do with some more volunteer yeah. advisors within Citizens Advice. Is it? Um, quite, I mean, is it a quite a rigorous training package? Uh, you know, to, to become a volunteer. It's not. It's not. It's not really. I mean, t- typically, um, before someone is expected to give advice to clients. They're fully trained in how to find the answers that the clients need. So the initial training takes about a day a week for six weeks. And then gradually, I mean, there is, there is some additional training later, but the initial training to get you up and running, doing some initial advice for clients is, is like I say, is in about six weeks. And, I mean, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert in anything. Um, I, I think one of, the, one of the most important attributes is the ability to listen. And you know to hear what um, what people have to say, it's 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 voluntary, so there's no financial reward, but it's incredibly rewarding when a client shares their problem with you and you see a weight lift from their shoulders. So that that's the sort of reward that you get from it. Um, and 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 the other thing is, I mean, quite a lot of our volunteers are people who 
retired, given up work, um, so have some extra time. But actually, it's also useful for people who maybe want to improve their skills. So they might be in a, in a role um, where, uh, you know, this would be helpful, uh, getting the experience of working with clients and uh, seeing people face to face and advising. So it's, you know, it's, it's for people of any age, actually. It's, it's um and, and we do have a really broad range of, of volunteers within Citizens Advice. Yeah. And as you say, it's great for skills. Great for CV, isn't it? Oh, oh it is. That, that's, that's very true. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but it's just, it's really interesting, actually, because, you know, when, you, when you're in the uh, uh, advice clinic, you, you, people come in and often you've no idea what they're going to come in with. And it might be a benefits issue. It might be a housing issue. It could be any number of things. Um, and because people, you know, sometimes they turn to us because they don't know who else to turn to. So um, it's it's just really interesting. It's an interesting experience um, and useful because we've had people who've come to us uh, and volunteered with us, um, sometimes students, maybe law students, who want to, you know, really get, um, you know, on the cold face and understand yeah. what people's problems are. And then it helps them moving forward with their careers because they pick up some really useful skills by volunteering uh, with, with someone like Citizens Advice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Chris, that we're based in Haven, so we cover uh, the, the, mainly the borough of Haven, but of course we get clients from, from Portsmouth and other areas, because actually, as, as a charity we're, we're, you know, in Haven, we also work with the other Citizens Advice services in Portsmouth, Fairham, Gosport, Winchester, uh, East Hampshire. We all, you know, we all support each other. So, you know, you might call the uh, Citizens Advice Helpline number and actually you could be speaking to us in Havant or you could be speaking to someone in Portsmouth. Um, uh, and, and, of course, even though we're in Havant, volunteers don't have to come from Havant. Actually, I don't live in Havant, um, but it's, it's where I happen to volunteer with Citizens Advice. Yeah. What made you get involved in it? Just to give people a, you know, a bit of flavour as to, you know, how you sort of yeah, come about. I mean, I, yeah, I've always had an interest in, in consumer yeah. issues in particular. That's something that's always interested me. But actually the trigger for me was I saw a film, which some, um, some of your listeners may be familiar with. It was a film called I, Daniel Blake. And it was about the effect, actually, of benefits, if you like, um, on the lives of people obviously, who were claiming them and the changes to the benefit system. And it was quite a gritty um, drama. Um, and, and after that, I decided, actually, I could probably help. And that's what, that was the trigger for me only four years ago to say, well, you know, maybe I could offer some yeah. help here. And, and it's been interesting. And also the consumer aspect of it, because I am interested in consumer issues. Yeah. Um, and, but, but, you know, a lot of it is to do with all the day-to-day stuff that people have, whether it be relationship breakdowns, you know, people who, who come to us who's, whose partner has left and they don't know what to do. Or, sadly, someone who's lost a relative. And again, I mean, who, that, no, none of us are trained in what, you know, I say none of the public are trained in what to do when someone dies. Mm. And, and, and we're there to help them and say, these are the things that you need to do. Um, and to you know to sort of hold their hand through that process, yeah. and, and we do. So it's all sorts of different things. It's 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 it's, it's never never a dull moment. No, but it's not. And you're there every step of the way, aren't you? Really, so all well, sorts of right. stages of life. Uh, yeah, and 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 actually, some people do come in, and they're and you know they can be very upset because of whatever is the issue that they've got. But sometimes you can just lighten their load by listening to what they have to say and then giving them some focus on, okay, this is what you need to do. 
and this is how you do it, and we'll help you do that. And you know, so it's, it's all about that. And there's no, it's unique. There's no there's nowhere else really. Yeah, it's um, there's there's nowhere else where you can get that sort of broad range of um, of, of advice. I think. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, with, we look forward to, to, to Christmas and the way things are with Universal Credit, which you've already sort of touched on tonight, Ken, uh, it's going to get busier yeah. anyway. So hence, you know, you need more people to, to come along and support you and help you out. Uh, and, we do. And become yeah. advisors. Yeah. That's right. And we, what we'd love people to do, if, if anyone's interested in, um, in volunteering, or just finding out a bit more, yeah. you know, but just by getting in touch doesn't mean you have to do it. But to get in touch, um, and they can go to our website... Um, which is citizensadvicehaven.org, and and just look on the section on uh, on volunteering. It just tells you about the kind of roles that we've got because we've got all sorts of different roles. You know, not everybody that volunteers with us actually does face-to-face or telephone advice. We need people in the back office as well who are, you know, scanning stuff and uploading stuff into the databases and stuff like that, you know. So there's a lot of stuff in the background. Um, so there are lots of different roles that people could do if, if somebody doesn't particularly want to do advice work. Yeah. So there's lots of different options there. I mean, I'm, I'm doing something tomorrow where we're just looking again to try and get some advisors. Um, is um, There's a sort of community event uh, at Haley Island, which is showcasing, you know, voluntary services and things that are going on in the area. Um, and we're doing that at Haley Island Community Centre tomorrow. So it's just, again, just an opportunity for us to get the message across to say, sure. you know, if you think you might be interested, then you can come along to, 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 to see us there. Yeah. But yeah, I would urge anybody to, 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 to have a look at our website, org. Um, or they can give us a call at the phone numbers on our website. I mean, I can give the phone number now, Chris. Please, go on, go for it. it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so if they want to give us a ring and have a chat about it, it's 02394-200-006. That's 02394-200-006. So we'd love to hear from people. Just if they want to ring up and have a chat about volunteering, whether it works, whether it would work for them, then it would be great to hear from them. Yeah. And again, just to sort of very quickly, we're running out of time here. So we've got about so, so about 90 seconds, really. But uh, to, to go back to the debt thing, because we're getting towards the end of the year now, and you know, if people find themselves in a situation, what's the best thing they can do, Ken? Just a bit of you know, a passing shot advice. Tonight. To be honest, you know, don't ignore the debt. And this is often what happens. People will they ignore the reminders and the, and the threatening notes from their from their creditors. The best bet is come and see us. Come in with the paperwork or give us a call and, you know, to, so that we can see what is the best route forward. Because there are many, many different ways for dealing with debt. There are so many different debt solutions. But what we need to do is get a full picture of the situation and then give the best advice we can. And, you know, sometimes it can be quite drastic advice or it could be actually they just need somebody to help them work out a budget so that the, the debt's more manageable. Um, so we, you know, I just urge people, don't ignore those letters. Often people do ignore the, the warning letters, um, but they should not ignore them. Come and see us as soon as possible, yeah. and then we can talk through what, what needs to be done. That's fantastic. Ken, we're out of time. Thanks, Ken, on tonight. It's lovely talking to you and, uh, and catch up with, with yourselves there at Having Citizens Advice and, uh, and having a chat with you, uh, which is I really appreciate you uh, listening to us again. It's good, good no, to be with you again. No, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Ken, on uh, again tonight, Ken. And hopefully in the new year we can get back in the studio and uh, and have a proper old chinwag, which would be nice. Yeah. And, okay. and, uh, in the flesh as well. Tell us about your second bit of music, Ken. 
Well, again, it's sticking with the theme, we're there for you. So I thought this one a bit more uplifting. And this, of course, people will recognise as the um, as the theme from the theme from Friends. It is. It certainly is. Ken yeah. Sim, thanks for coming on tonight. Regards to everyone there. Take care. All the Thank best. You. Cheers now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for company. We'll do it all again next week between 7 and 9 o'clock. And Purple Guest next week, uh, fingers crossed, is Rob Bosshart. That's his name, Rob Bosshart. Uh, from Royal Naval Benevolent Trust. Look forward to his company as our profile guest and hear two of his songs as well. Plus more of the week's news and views here live as always at 7 o'clock. I hope you'll be there too. Whatever you're doing, stay safe. Have a fabulous seven days. Take care. Not on now.